Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is Courtney Dunn, Director of Governmental Affairs for Intercontinental Exchange, to talk about regulatory trends and the data and technology lenders are using now to be compliant. Courtney is one of HousingWire's 2022 Women of Influence and has been in the mortgage industry for more than 15 years. Her resume includes serving as counsel for ICE and overseeing litigation and corporate law and governance matters for MERS. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you and really to talk about something, some of the things that are really challenging for lenders right now. We are in a challenging period. Regulatory-wise, what do you think are some of the biggest priorities right now? Sure. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I think that there's all the, um, in DC, we've seen a lot of regulatory movement, especially from the housing agencies in a few buckets. And I would note that the Biden administration has made housing a priority really the way that um, we haven't seen for the presidential administration before. And I think the agencies have sort of taken that and run with it. Overall, I think the regulations that we're seeing can really be attributed to three topics. The first is affordability. I mean, particularly you mentioned this particular market, this is becoming increasingly relevant, although it's something that we've all been thinking about um, in a lot of different contexts and some new ways, which I think we'll get get into in a little bit. The second one is accessibility. And sort of in the same vein, I do see um, there's some overlapping issues, but also some different issues in the accessibility realm. Um, And we've seen action both from the FHFA, but then also a little bit from the regulatory side from CFPB as well. Um, And then the last one would be accountability. And so the regulations that we're seeing from the agencies and then also the expectations from the lender side um, into understanding what the rules are um, so that they can comply with those rules and better serve their clients. So let's talk about that second one a little bit, the accessibility, because I do think um, I do think affordability is something everybody kind of understands. What do you mean when you say accessibility or what do you think they mean? So. Accessibility to me, and I, from the viewpoint of ICE, we're always looking at everything from a technology and data point of view. What can we do to make accessibility better? And I think what we've seen is that, um, in particular, the rate of minority homeownership is, is nowhere near what it needs to be. Frankly, in some ways, it's, it's worse than it ever has been. And so you ask a question, who has been able to access just the opportunity um, to, to have a chance to even apply for a mortgage? We're looking at things in the technology point of view is how we can modernize some of these processes to help our lenders get to borrowers, to let them know what options are out there. Um, In particular, there's a a lot of really fantastic programs, including from Fannie and Freddie for uh, low um, down payment mortgage options. And most first time homebuyers don't even know those exist. So they don't know to ask for them. So in a lot of ways, there's a lot of education to be done and then just some technology to make that more streamlined and easier. And so the lenders can be aware, who do we have in our pipeline that might qualify for this so they don't have to hear that no, and they know there's some options available and get them into communities paying their mortgages and becoming lifelong homeowners, hopefully. You know, on that accountability side, I think it's um, sometimes lenders can feel, and, and rightly so, that they're kind of being put under a microscope in a way that is difficult in the middle of this kind of environment. Do you feel like regulators at all look at like the the macro picture of like what's happening in the industry and, you know, say, you know, 
what companies are struggling with when they talk about these, when they think about these things, or do you feel like it's more like they're like, listen, we have this mission. This is our mission. You guys have to accommodate. So I think one thing notable um, over the past couple of years in this administration has been that there have been a, a numerous amount of notices of proposed rulemakings um, we've seen from FHFA, we've seen from HUD, we've seen from the agencies. But I would also note that in particular, I'll use FHFA as an example. You know, they opened an office of innovation and technology, and then they conducted a listening tour and they were coming out to mortgage conferences. They were meeting with all types of different stakeholders and process to understand how that technology and innovation could be used along their goals, a lot of which involve do, their duty to serve goals for Fannie and Freddie. And I know that also at at HUD and FHA, they're using the, it's called the drafting table. So that's another way. It's not a traditional rulemaking as we would talk about it in DC, but it is an opportunity where they literally want to say, here's what we're thinking about, put it on the table and allow there to be a constructive back and forth. And that's very encouraging. So people, so those of us who are, um, or those owners that are closest to the consumers or using the technologies or, or seeing what they're seeing in their lending programs can give that real-time feedback. And again, that education to understand, okay, we saw a lot of refinances during the pandemic, but that didn't raise all or didn't achieve all communities. They reached some folks and not others. So what can we do? Um, another thing I know the CFPB has been focused on also is to look what was done well during the pandemic. You know, this was an unprecedented time. And really, the, the mortgage industry actually did a, did a great job in a lot of ways, avoiding a lot of the issues we were worried about. And so what can we take out of that? and then maybe implement it in a more permanent fashion. So that give and take back and forth, I think, is extremely helpful and welcomed, really, by everyone. I really like that idea of the whiteboard or, or the drafting table, whatever, as opposed to like a regulation by enforcement, which has been popular in different, you know, uh, for different regulatory agencies in different times. And I do think that that felt like, you know, uh, kind of like, okay, we're, we're the lenders had to do something and then find out afterwards what they did wrong. And that seems, you know, I know that that wasn't super popular. So one of the areas I think is so interesting is ESG. And how have you seen the conversation around ESG evolve over the last few years? Right. We've certainly seen it evolve. And I think specifically in the mortgage space, there's a great interest now from, from a variety of places. So first of all, we at ICE look at making the connection um, between markets and certainly between different players in the mortgage industry. So a couple of big points here, I think. Um, so first, most consumers only see their lenders during the mortgage process. And there's a whole um, set of markets behind that, as, as you all know, that are very interested also in them. So we have investors, we've seen a lot of demand from the investor side for information about the property itself. Um, we've seen a lot of climate-related data um, that is being developed. And this is interesting because this is real-time data about the property. Um, and if you think about a 30-year mortgage, um, a lot of homeowners are affected by climate-related issues, and that data is live and dynamic. At the same time, we've also seen investors who want to understand what, what you may hear called social scoring. So of course, Fannie Mae has been focused on this space, and Freddie Mac, um, FHFA actually has an RFI out right now that they just published about a potential social bond program for single families. So investors want to invest in these communities. At the same time, I think that there is an opportunity for homeowners to also understand what we call the true cost of homeownership. And again, that's not just the ticket price on the property. It's understanding um, 
there's a term drive to you qualify. So it's understanding, okay, if I, because of my price point, am, am, am forced to, to drive outside of town, then maybe I have to drive to work. And then borrowers are kind of pushed into a carbon emission schedule, really probably not even fully appreciating that. So we see this data that we didn't have 10 years ago. We didn't have 15 years ago. And I think it is part of the discussion about also affordability and what's sustainable and helping consumers really understand their opportunities to not only obtain a mortgage and maintain it, and then the same from the investor side, because they want to understand those properties too. And people are asking for information about how can they invest in these communities. How does ICE really bridge that gap? So you have you have the investor interest. Mm-hmm. You have some consumer interest, the, yes. the people who kind of can connect the dots. Where do you see the, the lender interest and, and how do you guys kind of fill that gap? Right. Well, and, and the lenders are in a, a great a great perspective here too, because they are the ones who face the consumers. And then if they're looking to sell these to any type of either the government markets or the private markets, they're probably getting demand from that side as well. So they have a lot of information, but they are also looking for that. Again, they're looking at what type of, um, they're looking at the properties, they're thinking about how do their investors or the capital secondary markets hedge their risk. So we're looking at it as providing the most information possible to make more of that transparent, um, make it a little bit more uniform and really dig deeper to understand what it actually means. Because a lot of times the data on its surface has a deeper story underneath it. Well, and I think I know that um, I talked to uh, someone from Fannie Mae even a couple of years ago and just just getting some consensus around what some of these terms mean so that you can say, you know, is this an energy efficient home? I mean, one of the most the easiest things to define seemingly would be energy efficiency. Right. Um, But other things are even more complicated than that. So I, I would think that getting some of the terms defined is the first step. That That's true. And that's often the case from the regulatory side. Right. Is to sort of understand what it is that we're all talking about. Right. Um, and, and so the, the, the prior lawyer in me would say, obviously, we have to sort of understand the definitions up front. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, obviously the SEC has a climate disclosure rule. And there are actually in some markets, there are companies that are already disclosing some of this information already with, you know, previously, um, but in a new way. And I know that um, the MBA MISMO actually has an ESG COP now where they are trying to um, think about what these terms mean as it pertains to, for example, they're um, looking at what does this mean to all different communities? What are people asking for? What's available, for example, on a uniform loan application? And then what does that mean in different contexts? Or what could it mean possibly to different contexts? So they're, the, they're, everyone's looking at this. And to your point, I, I think that'll be incredibly helpful to go from there so we can all be better educated. You know, you talked about data and what we have available now. And, you know, I would say, you know, in addition to that, the technology we have available now, right? So ICE is right in the middle of all mm-hmm. of that. Um, how do you feel like, you know, when you look toward the future, what are you excited about when you look at the data we have now, the technology we have now? We seem to have, you know, some tailwinds on, yes, we want to do ESG. What's your what's the future going to be like for ESG and the near future, not like 20 years from now? Right. Um, so I think from our perspective, we again, we, we've seen the demand from a lot of different places. The data is dynamic. So understanding that and I would even peel that back a little bit further, which is that. If you think about like, for example, the, the most top of mind example is some of the, the flood information. So historically, we didn't have the tools to identify what the information meant as readily. And we have some um, data scientists who have 
a, a wealth, a trove of information about, I'm talking sp- specifically about some of the more climate and physical risks, but understanding what that means. And then although data pr- historically may have said ABC, what did that actually mean? Because to your point, certain terms were used back then, but I'm not sure information from even really five years ago, to your point, I mean, there's a lot of this is new, but even then meant what we would think it means now. Um, very similar to a lot of the discovery we're doing across the board in mortgage, understanding a data about what qualifies a borrower. Um, should we look deeper? Is it just this one piece or is there more to it? So really understanding the true meaning of the data, or some people say the truth of the data. I think that's where we see a lot of this conversation going. And then really for us, it's giving our uh, network the tools to comply with any rules um, and and really the tools to make their own assessment on where they want to be and again, how to hedge that risk and just make it more transparent for everyone. Hi, this is Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media. And I'm joined today by Alex Ilazai, Chief Strategy Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Hey, Diego. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So diving right in, we might be seeing the first glimmers of a rebound in the housing market. How is this playing out in the broker channel? It's playing out really well. So we're excited about 2023. We see a lot of optimism in the market, just like we in 2022 and leading into Q4 and and we're hitting the the ground running uh, really fast in 2023 here in Q1. We're excited about this whole year and what's upcoming. We've launched a lot of new products. We continue to see a lot of optimism in the broker channel overall. And obviously when we're in a purchase market as we're in right now, that's where brokers really thrive in the more complex transactions with buyers and sellers and agents and a lot more going on. Just brokers are the best place for consumer to get a loan. So we see a lot of uh, them continue to grow and, and thrive. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Great. Thank you. It's good to spend time with you. You know, talking again, we're in this low volume environment and, and lenders can understandably see regulatory issues as hoops they have to jump through. But what are some of the opportunities that lenders have to make their business better as they are implementing the technology that actually gets them to the regulatory answers that they need? Right. Uh, Compliance is very important to us at ICE. um, And I think that most lenders that you talk to want to serve their clients. Everyone wants the opportunity, I think, to learn more about their clients and learn more about their potential clients. So again, this is an opportunity um, we've seen, you know, um, FHFA will now be, has a new rule that goes into effect in March that required the information, the collection of more what they call fair lending information, including a borrower's language preference. And so this is interesting because we do see the face of the United States changing and it gives, um, there is an opportunity there to your point to understand more about who they are serving, serving and who they want to serve. And maybe this is in a different way than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or during the financial crisis. So everybody wants to be able to understand how to do their business. And once those are, are, are set forth, then to, uh, to use automation to incorporate that into the workflow to the best extent possible and to use the data and technology to do a better job serving those, those clients, um, because that's a business imperative. It's a business imperative right now. So we do see... Um, there has been sort of a, a, a new focus on some more affordability issues recently. We talked about accessibility a little bit as well. And I think that our clients are interested in looking at really making that part of their, their process. So understanding where the rules are so that they can just get to work right. and do what they do best. Because really, those there's a there's a old saying that the local observer knows more than the scientist, meaning that they know their clients best. 
they know their areas best. And so letting us use our technology to let them do what they do best, to let the LOs, you know, get to business with people, understand who they are, what they want, where they see themselves in a few years, five years, 10 years, and then also help them keep that, that bond and connection, I think is the goal. That's so interesting. Um, you know, so we're, we're filming this, we're recording this <laughs> at, um, ICE experience, the conference that you guys put on. And for me personally, one of the highlights of this conference is always your regulatory sessions where, boy, I mean, the people on stage and the people in the front row are everybody you want to hear from (laughs) and and what's coming next and what's going to happen. We hear right from the regulators themselves. So, um, and I think one of the first times um, that I heard about this, um, about the language you know, being part of the forum and, you know, that, that is, was at an ICE conference where like, this is this years ago, this is what's coming. It was Ellie May conference. And, and um, I think that's one of the things is like, yes, now this is one of the data you have to collect. What does that mean then for lenders? Do they have to have all the forms in whatever language that person is saying that they prefer? And I think that that's, those are the kind of questions that are just, that can plague them is they're like, at what point am I going to be required to have all of the forms or all of the communication even in the language that the borrower prefers. Right. And this is something you've, um, so first of all, thank you for being at ICE Experience. We love having you here. Um, And this is something that I think is um, an ICE imperative, which is that we, we welcome that feedback. We welcome that feedback from our clients because when we hear about how our clients are using our tools, if there is a new compliance matter that is being implemented, we are thinking about that ahead of time and how that fits into our workflow and what is the best way for those that we work with for that to fit into their workflow. Um, to make that, again, more typically in a lot of cases, more uniform, but to have that just plug right in. But the more feedback we receive on some of that information is the better. So um, I would also say that to, to the same point, the opening of conversation with those in DC is also helpful. Um, you know, we have seen actually in, in a few cases and, and maybe in some coming up soon, maybe like the FHFA delaying an implementation date or engaging in some more conversation or additional conversations, which I think is helpful. Um, because again, I think they, we all want to set an environment where we can all be productive and make sure that, that everyone understands the rules so that we can be, be doing what we all want to do, which is really helping people get into homes. I mean, that's the goal. Many of us that are involved in mortgage have an origin story right. about where we, why we care about this. And it's certainly true for us at ICE. And that's what makes this industry so special. And that's what makes this task so important is understanding that we are, you know, ultimately all of us are here because we want to see people be able to achieve that, that dream of homeownership. I love that. Um, you know, when I look at all of the things that you deal with, like, you know, what's coming, you know, what, you know, you're also um, trying to implement it. How do you decide what your priority is going to be? So, I mean, we, we saw it even this week where you have uh, the Supreme Court saying, hey, we're going to we're going to take a look at whether the CFPB is unconstitutional or not. Um, the winds of politics changes quite a bit, right? And meanwhile, not only uh, for lenders who are, who are trying to be in this business, but for a software company, for, a, for a, a technology company that, you know, things don't don't happen overnight and you have to have this, you know, timeline for what you're going to prioritize, what you're going to develop and then roll out. How do you make those kind of decisions when things change so quickly, seemingly on the regulatory side, as far as like what the emphasis is going to be? Sure. Um, so I think from, from a high level, we do see a secular trend towards digitization overall. And so that's been 
fantastic to see in DC. We have seen a lot of the offices, including I mentioned FHFA, we've seen NCUA, open offices of innovation and technology um, and welcome conversation about modernization. Um, The same for many on the Hill, right, is that they're saying, what can we do? Um, From my perspective, I think that that housing is a bipartisan issue that everyone cares about because it's a local issue. Again, to go back to that, it's it's a local issue. And so there's a lot of conversation about what what should, where should we go with this? What's most important? I think realistically, um, another point is that in, in this Congress at this point, um, we're thinking, okay, how can we use the programs that we already have? Because there's, um, it, it, some believe that there is um, probably not a, a great chance that we'll get another big spending bill, perhaps in the next two years before the upcoming elections. So again, it's turning around and looking at what do we have that we can use and how do we make that better? Of course, there's uh, a markup today um, in the House Financial Services Committee about um, Chair McHenry's modernization of Greenwich Bliley Act. And so a lot of the things that we're, we're looking at are investments that you might make in a time. So the volumes are down a little bit, as you mentioned, but this is a great time to get together and say, how can we make this better? You know, I certainly believes in investment, right? I mean, we have invested in all, you know, all the companies and the industries that we've been in. We've gone in headfirst and invested in those because we believe that the digital transformation is the way to, to more transparency, to getting rid of some of that friction. And so those are important pieces to us, you know, to us in that perspective. I mean, we're not a lender and we're not a servicer, so we don't, we don't face the same obstacles they do, but we certainly want to understand them so that when we're looking at policymaking in any time, um, but particularly when when the volume slow down a little bit and you have time to say, okay, how do we really dig into that? That's an important point of that, that analysis. And I do think it's important to everyone in DC as well. That's great to hear. I, I do think, you know, um, even when we're talking about like economic issues or whatever, either on, either on this podcast or the feedback we get from different stories is, you know, we're journalists covering the, um, the industry, but we're not in it. And a lot of the feedback I get is like, you know, things are really rough right now. Like, right. We, we need to understand that in, in the way that we cover things. And we really try to keep that in mind. And that, that's why my question was, do you feel like the people in, in D.C., regulators, Congress, whatever, really understand what a tough time this is for the mortgage industry? I mean, we have shed so many jobs and volume looks like it's going to be a challenge for the next six months at least. Um, do you get the sense that they understand the pain that's going on? I do. Okay. I do. And again, I think from the Hill perspective, all of them have constituents at home. And again, to sort of to, to bring it back to the theme is housing is something that touches everybody. Um, so I think everybody understands it, but I do think it's imperative to us as an industry to also provide the education. Um, to, another a related point I would say is that we in mortgage use technology. We um, are affected by the economy in ways that are unique to other industries. So sometimes in D.C., I find it's really helpful to draw that distinction and say, well, you know, Maybe you you see this or there's sort of a, a theme you might see on the news or in conversation, but but for us it's a little bit different and let us explain why. Um and again, when you when you realize that you're impacting the homeowner, I I think folks in DC do sort of perk up and want to understand that a little bit deeper. And of course the agencies they want to protect consumers. Right. Because because we know what happens when there aren't rules. Um, I think everybody wants there to be the rules and they want to understand them and how they work. So again, so they can do the business. But I do, um, the more conversation, the better, the more education. We want consumers to be as educated as possible as well. Again, because it's not just the opportunity to obtain the mortgage, but how do we empower consumers to understand 
how to maintain a mortgage and how to maximize, you know, their opportunity as a homeowner, because it's, it's a fantastic opportunity and it's an exciting dream that comes true for a lot of people. So um, I'm excited to do more of that. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to use technology to sort of help some historical ills that, that, that we, again, that we all at, at our companies and also on the Hill have been working on for years. Um, and then lastly, I would also say to keep in mind that in mortgage, again, probably a little um, unique to us is that it's not just the federal government. A lot of us are right. also dealing on the state side. And so politically that presents when you, you mentioned earlier, you know, changes in administration. So that can present more um, opportunities and then also more discussion because we've seen um, a couple of, of um, efforts to make a, a uniform law of some sort on the federal level. And then the states are also working on it. So again, it's a great opportunity to understand that we have the federal government working. We have states. We have states attorneys general. We have states enacting different laws. They're trying to figure out what happened from the pandemic that's helpful that we can keep in place. What do we need to improve? So this is this is the time. Um, we have plenty to keep ourselves busy. It excites me to be able to work with all of our clients and talk to them about their policy um, initiatives and to understand from the government, like, what are your biggest concerns? How can we help all of us understand these better um, so that we can all get 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 to work and then hopefully do see some more see some more improvements. Um, which, which I think we will, right? Because mortgage is cyclical, so we will see that that, that we can come back and do even better um, to serve everyone that we want to serve. I like that optimism, and I'm really glad you brought up the states <laughs> because obviously, I mean, state regulation can is is a whole other segment. And and I think about you know we've seen New York their their NYDFS sort of step back a little bit, but you've seen California step up in their consumer um, you know state regulation. So interesting and always a challenge for people who are who are originating across the nation. So Courtney, you are a very optimistic person, especially for a lawyer. Can I say that? <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> so tell me, what are the reasons you are optimistic right now about the mortgage industry, technology, whatever? So if I could give you a brief origin story. Um, my, my mother was a notary and title agent. She's been doing that for over 40 years. And so I would come, you know, be at home every night and she would come home and tell me stories about how this family was in her office and got their ho first home. And a lot of times it would be an immigrant family who had saved enough money to finally get a home in America or a single mother providing roof over her head for her kids. And so when I think about everything we're all going through, the market is down, but I want to give credit to the lenders who were able to get people into homes because those are families who still had the opportunity to get in it. We always want to have people get into homes with the best loans that are the most affordable and sustainable for them. But in the meantime, we do see great things happening every single day. And so I, I am encouraged by that. I think the more communication, the better. Obviously, I could talk, talk your off all day about this, but I see new tools being advanced and I am excited for the future and to see how we can make this better than ever. Thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. 
Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.